Superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, Eric Bischoff here, and have you heard about Strictly Business? Strictly Business is a brand new weekly series exclusively on adfreeshows.com. Join me and my co-host John Alba every Tuesday as we take a deep dive into the business of the professional wrestling business. And this is some straight up business talk here, no fanboy nonsense. We discuss television contracts, advertising, licensing, and of course, the highly debated ratings. So if you want an unfiltered, brutally honest, anti-fanboy understanding of the professional wrestling industry, well, Strictly Business is the series for you. And hey, if Elon Musk likes my tweets, and he did, you're going to love Strictly Business. Sign up now. And listen at adfreeshows.com. Do you love wrestling podcasts but hate all the ads? Well, you can get all the great podcasts early and ad-free at adfreeshows.com. It only starts at nine bucks a month, but you get exclusive series at adfreeshows.com like Title Chase, Eric Fires Back, Conversations with Conrad, and tons more, and a chance to interact with your favorite podcast hosts every month. See for yourself why thousands of other wrestling fans say adfreeshows.com is the best value in wrestling. Adfreeshows.com. Get the house you want with the payment you want at buywithconrad.com. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this at buywithconrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. The first step to buying a house is buywithconrad.com. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to My World. With the Hall of Famer, your friend in mine, Double J, Jeff Jarrett. Jeff, how are you, man? Woo! <laughs> Conrad Thompson, you know, uh, we'll get into some travel woes and what an exciting weekend. But uh, as I walked in the door, as you're well aware, fresh off of uh, a nice 18-hour kind of 
They used to call Scott Hall used to call it travel hell. Uh, it, it wasn't, but Hey man, take it all in stride, but uh quick shower and shave Conrad. And I'm like, you know, what shirt am I going to wear today? And then it's the shirt that I was asked about all weekend at Baltimore at the Baltimore fest over and over and over. A lot of people and are just day. listening, Jeff. What, what I, shirt I, are you I, wearing? I, Conrad? Yes. I'm driving this bus for this story. All right, good. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, folks who's uh, just listening, uh, the folks that he just uh, talked about, Conrad just threw a little temper tantrum that one of my daughters used to throw. He took off his headsets and threw them on his mic. So, um, yeah, Connie, put the damn headsets back on because Las Cuatro Caballeros was the most requested T-shirt at the table. Lot Baltimore is four horsemen country. Brother Paul Roma was in the house, another four horseman. But we're not here to talk about Roma. We're not here to talk about JJ, Arn, Tully, Barry, any of us other horsemen. We're here to talk about the Nate. Rick Flair. I can't believe it's real, man. So damn excited. Obviously, I was there in TNA when he had his uh, last go around, and I watched the uh, Orlando um, Shawn Michaels match. But uh, Rick's going to lace it up one more time, and I'm excited, pal. I, I really am. It's a it's a unique set of circumstances, personally for me. Uh, but uh, hosting it, none other at the Flair Grounds. How about that, pal? I mean, that's pretty. I mean, come on now. You got to give me a little credit for the flare grounds. <laughs> Actually, it's not my credit. It's uh, Chris McDonald from our team. He makes us all look good and I can't believe it, but Jim Crockett promotions is getting together one more time. Jeff, you mm-hmm. know, once upon a time, uh, the greatest wrestling weekend of my life was ECW one night stand because ECW went away with a whimper. I mean, there was no final show. We didn't really get to say goodbye, at least with the last nitro. We knew it was the last nitro. But for Jim Crockett promotions, it just went away. And in a perfect world, there would have been a one night stand version of that 30 years ago, but it didn't happen. And I'm sad that Jim Crockett Jr. won't be here to see it, but David Crockett and as many of the Crockett's that we can get, will be there on hand to celebrate one last run, one last match, not just for the nature boy, but for Jim Crockett promotions, we've licensed the music. It's going to look and feel just like it did way back when in the mid eighties and, uh, the nature boy is going to walk that aisle one last time. And boy, I know there's been some pushback and people who were all of a sudden very concerned about Ric Flair's well-being. Uh, I wonder if those are the same folks who are clamoring for undertaker to have one more match or what they felt about Vince McMahon wrestling at WrestleMania or Jerry Lawler wrestling every other weekend, or it's not uncommon in Tennessee for these Tennessee boys to strut around. And by the way, Tennessee is the birthplace of Ric Flair. And how fun is it that it's come full circle with Jim Crockett promotions and him and one more match. But let me just say I'm smarter than I look and we got some fun ideas for this show. And I think some, some naysayers, Jeff, you know, the plan they're going to come around. They're going to like this idea. I love, love, I've loved all of it. We've uh, chatted, collaborate, thrown ideas around the whole, um, Ad-free team, if you will, the whole star cast, not Unos, Dos, Choice, or Quattro, like my shirt says, Conrad, but uh, Cinco, star cast Cinco. 
It's very cool. I'm serious. Uh, I, look, you're just grinning at me like, here we go with that horseman crap. But uh, people were chuckling with uh, with me at the table over and over and over. I, I t- shout out to Tyler. Shout out to Sean, Robert. There's a whole host of folks that t- Conrad that said, uh, "Hey, can I get a photo? Sure. Hey, can we do one more? Will you throw up a four for Connie? Mm, thank you. So, uh, yeah, Starcast Fives. How's it feel there, promoter? Well, Number listen, five I, under your belt. I, you know. I- I'm tickled to have Thuzio and Triller support on this one. This is going to be special. It's going to be different, uh, in a lot of ways, but it's going to be a lot of fun bracelets go on sale to the public this coming Friday. If you've never been to a Starcast, let me explain. It's like every other wrestling convention you've been to, except we have a bunch. And I mean, a bunch of panel discussions. These are live shows that you can attend and check out hear conversations and, and, and see folks you probably wouldn't hear or see in any other circumstance telling their story. We've got some big surprises up our sleeve. We're going to start dripping those announcements out later this week, including one today. If you haven't already heard about it, you're going to hear about it today. Uh, but we're going to, uh, start and end with some big ideas and there's going to be all kinds of things happening nearby that fans are going to want to take note of. So if you haven't already make plans to join us, go to starcast.com forward slash hotels and secure your room. I understand we've already sold one hotel out. We're working to get some more rooms but we've got a bunch of hotels just to be clear. Uh, you're going to be staying. If you stay in one of the Starcast hotels right at the airport. So Nashville is going to be incredibly easy to move around in. We're only seven miles uh, from the airport and we're just three miles from where the Titans play at the big stadium. So no matter what your plans are that weekend, you're going to be close by and you're going to get a little Nashville flavor. So it should be fun. Uh, bracelets go on sale this weekend though, this Friday at noon. Uh, be sure to pick up uh, a platinum. If you can, that's going to get you the first of everything, the best of everything, a gold bracelet. isn't too bad either. You're going to have guaranteed seating for all the panel discussions, get to meet more than a hundred different superstars at our meet and greet opportunities. And well, there's going to be some other fun events happening. We'll just say that. But speaking of fun events, we've got a big one coming up next Monday night. The word on the street is. You and I are getting together with the major figure bros, and we're going to talk a little action figure. I can't believe this is real. You and I have a my world action figure set, right? And they're t- uh, mine are right beside me. I thought, uh, you know, Matt and uh, Brian, they are so dialed into that. Like you are the mortgage business, and like I'm into, I don't know, uh, jet skiing on the lake. But no, it's their passion. They they absolutely love it. And uh, they the 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 ones that I got right here, it's the uh, they painted it up or. Got it all made up like the outfit that I wore at Shawn Michaels in your house too in Nashville. And, uh, and then the old don't piss me off look. So, and then of course the Conrad Thompson figure. So yeah, we're going to chat it up. I, I'm going to sit under their learning tree because they've got all kinds of, and I don't want to just say a wealth of knowledge, but it's, uh, to me, it's, it's really cool because the evolution of the action figure and figures that got made and didn't get made and what's coming out. And as you are, uh, Conrad, a collector of watches, there's some folks that just flat out collect action figures, uh, and, uh, they will, um, share their knowledge next Monday night. So tune in, it's going to be on all kinds of platforms, all of ours, all the, my world platforms. Uh, I think some of, uh, I actually, I think, uh, Matt's, uh, Twitter and, and all of his personal platforms, he's going to blast it out. So you will definitely be able to check us out. Lots of fun. Conrad summer is right here. You know, I was thinking not to skip over this. Uh, remember when uh Starcast won, when I said, Hey Conrad, what about fight? Yep. And that was in 18. Yep. Four years ago. That doesn't seem right. 
Seems wow. like it's longer to you. Oh God. Yes. Well, COVID aged us all. You know what I mean? There you go. Okay. There you go. Yeah. Fair I, enough. Fair enough. I, uh, I'm excited about today's topic specifically because I've got a, uh, a friend of mine here in my life. Uh, I, I don't know that he wants me to shout him out. He used to uh, be uh, in the wrestling game, but now he's no longer wrestling and trying to move on with life and, and be a dad. But he is the world's biggest NWO t-shirt collector of all time. And, uh, he's a little younger than me. So NWO 2000 was right in his wheelhouse. And I, I just want to remind him that he is stupid, uh, because it was terrible. It was not good. Uh, nothing, okay. Almost none of it was good. I mean, almost none of it. Now I'm not going to say none of it, but almost none of it, but we are going to talk about the highs and the lows and everything in between. But I do want to mention today, and I think you'll appreciate this one, Jeff. That today's episode is brought to you by Geico. Did you know that you could save money by bundling? Did you know that? Well, hell yeah, I knew that. Well, I didn't know. I mean, listen, you're you're a man of the people I, up there, but I, I, I don't well, know. No, I have Geico. You have Geico really for real? Yes. Dude, that's awesome. Yes. Bundle, brother. Bundle. Bundle is the word. And, and let me mention Geico is sponsoring this episode and basically all of our episodes this week on our little podcast network here. But the big thing I'm excited to tell you about is that you can do more than just your home and auto. Let me explain. Geico asks, how would you like a chance to save some money on insurance? Of course you would. After all, who doesn't love a great deal, right? And when it comes to great rates on insurance for all things in your life, and I mean, all things Geico can help like insurance for your car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and RV. They even help with homeowners, condo or renters coverage. You could even save more with a special discount when you bundle your coverages. Plus the easy to use Geico mobile app. They've got available 24 seven roadside assistance and so much more. And that makes choosing to switch to Geico an easy choice. Switch today and see all the ways you could save with great rates and discounts. It's easy. Simply go to Geico.com and get a rate or contact your local agent and start seeing how much you could save for free. That's geico.com. And, and let's jump into it, man. This, this NWO 2000 is really the NWO that happened when you were there. Uh, so it's going to be your time as part of the group, for, I guess, late 99 to early 2000. If you're trying to pick up where we left off, you want to check out joining Russo's WCW because we left off at your world heavyweight title match against Bret Hart in Auburn Hills. It's going to be Bret's first title defense of the WCW title. Um, and at this point you're a little more than a month into your WCW run. When did you first hear about this idea of an NWO rehash? So, so I, I don't recall that exactly, but Conrad, I read through the notes had that delay, uh, and delayed and delayed and delayed over the last say, 18 hours. But I read the notes a couple of times. I read them when I first, I always read them as soon as uh, Derek sends them, I skim through them pretty quick in case I want to fire back something and say, Hey, do we have this, this, or this anyway? So then when you read this, it reads, it's not, it, you could almost go, wait, this happened in back-to-back weeks. Oh no, 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 no. This happened in back-to-back segments. Yes. It is the most bizarre I, I, you know, culture, uh, yes, Vince was the lead writer talent. It took a, it took a lot of effort to have this much scrambled eggs. It is a complete disaster. I think out of all the episodes we've done from a creative perspective, this is more scrambled 
almost by far. You, folks, when we get into this episode and Conrad reads it, you will go, wait a minute, I missed something. There's no way that that happened in back-to-back weeks. And then Conrad's going to come around and say, and in the next segment, it's a mess, Conrad. So I don't really remember specifically because things really did happen so fast. Brett's the champion. Uh, yeah, so we're five, six weeks in- into me returning, right? And I'd hit buff with a guitar, and then we went right into it was – I'll let you pick up and set the stage because I don't even know how to set the stage, Conrad, oh, to, to, for, for NWO 2000 because it still came out of nowhere when we get into this. It wasn't like some big master plan was laid out and all the things aligned, but we're going to get into concussions. We're going to get into Goldberg almost severing his arm. We're going to get into Terry Funk and Rick coming back, and it is really epic WCW in the worst way. Let me mention, there's no way we get through this whole show because (laughs) there's going to be so much connecting of the dots that has to happen here. I think this is a two-parter all day long, but we're going to do our best to cover it. Just like Geico is doing their best to cover you at Geico.com. So it seems like there's a lot going on creatively in your loss to Brett. You had Dustin Rhodes come out and cost you the match, but you also had Ron and Don Harris known then as creative control in your corner. And it's reported that the working plan is you'll be having a guitar on a pole match against Buff Bagwell at Starcade. And that's probably one of the longest sentences regarding anyone's creative I've ever had in any of my podcasts. Is this just too much? Is this overbooked already? Hell, I mean, think about it. So the guitar on a pole match obviously comes from my uh, debut or re-debut uh, coming from the China match. Look, it's, it's already confusing. I, I did the China match for the WWE. At the time, in October, I, uh, I, I went to WCW, my first Nitro. I came out and uh, clocked Buff Bagwell. And from that, the, the the journalist, if you will, Meltzer and Keller and others, I guess, connected the dots. And whether they heard it out of a creative idea, I can tell you, I never, ever heard that me and Buff were going to be in a guitar on a pole match at any event, ever. Not saying that it wasn't said in a creative meeting, because at this time it was Vince and Ed Farrar, but they also had a crew of folks. And it was, it was a, as we get into this, you'll see Kevin Sullivan's name come in here. There was regime changes. I mean, Vince Russo was three months in. Well, I don't want to jump ahead. Uh, go ahead, Conrad. Okay. Um, just to remind you, we got a lot going on here. We got Buff Bagwell, guitar on a pole. Ron and Don Harris are there. Dustin Rhodes is involved. Uh, Creative Control is nicknamed Patrick and Gerald. Obviously, that's tongue in cheek about Pat Patterson and Gerald Brusco, uh, Jerry Briscoe. I'll get it out eventually. Uh, And we know that that Russo likes to put things on poles once he even put, um, well, Viagra on a pole. And that would be a seamless transition for Blue Chew, but we're too soon to do another ad. Uh, Brett and Goldberg are now becoming unlikely allies at this time, uh, in the buildup to this formation of the NWO. And there's always been a lot of stories, rumor, and innuendo about Brett being unhappy throughout his WCW tenure. And more, in more recent years, he's been a little more vocal about his, I don't know, uh, discontent with, with everything with Goldberg, but here for a bit, they were tag partners. In your opinion, could you tell that Brett was unhappy? I mean, you're friendly with Brett. Was he communicating any of that? Or could you just tell, man, he's just, uh, 
trying to get by right now. I wonder if Brett's going to remember this story because it definitely jarred my memory and I remembered and thinking about it. It was, and I don't know, you know, Nitro Thunder, but it's a, it, it, it was a, a taping and somehow, some way, me and Brett, either I was in his dressing room, he, he we were in, a, a, anyway, we were dressing close to each other and we kind of sat down and there was one of those moments where I just said, uh, I, I used to call him Beaner out of this movie that he always would quote to me. Beaner, what do you think? And he just kind of looked over at me. And I remember telling him, Brett, when I left WWF the first time, uh, you know, 95, 96, my contract expired and I came down and the business was red hot. You know, the NWO was taking off. Yep. Nitro was kicking ass. It was just really cranking up. But I immediately knew because the four horsemen, when Flair demanded, and I actually entered into the four horsemen, kidding Conrad. But no, during that 96, 97 uh, year that I had there, I've, we've gone on this podcast and talked about it. You immediately knew you're not working for Vince McMahon. You're not working for anyone, boss. You're in a corporate environment. Um, there, there's things candidly are the right hand doesn't talk to the left hand and there is no Vince McMahon. There is no Pat Patterson. There is no machine. Um, marketing's different. PR is different. It was a corporate environment period. And I had that brief, but it was kind of a detailed conversation. And I don't want to say Brett was checked out. I think that's one of the words that are in the notes or that you said, it, it, it's just, I think the realization um, that this isn't the WWE by any stretch of the imagination and um, the lack of attention to detail in so many ways was just so obvious. And so, uh, you know, I'll say, Brett, um, we, we were like, not, not only just disappointed and, 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 and just kind of the air out of the room. It's just like, well, all we can really do is what we can do, but that ain't gonna, we can only take care of what we can only take care of. But, but that conversation was there. And so, you know, Brett's a professional and busted his ass and did what he could do. But we both knew that a corporate run wrestling industry is just very, very difficult. Let's talk about a WCW live show that you did. Uh, just to give everybody a heads up, old Jeremy Borash and Bob Ryder are at the forefront of wrestling podcasting. Uh, that's really co-opted. Uh, we've got WCW live, which is maybe the first W the first major podcast. If you will, we weren't even calling it podcast back then, but you appear and you're asked by a caller. What are you most surprised by in wrestling? And your response was. I'm amazed that Van Hammer still has a job. How much of that is just ribbing on the square? And how much of that is you just dunking on a guy? A hundred percent rivet on the square. If I said that, I don't know Van Hammer, but as far as Bob Ryder, Borash night one, they, when I hit buff with a guitar and I returned night one, they said, Hey, will you, they called it. Hey, will you come do this live internet show? Yeah. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I mean, I was like, Really? Y'all have this like officially, it's not like a, you know, third party or underground, you know, Bowie. But when I walked into that room and started hearing 
old chicken head. We had a chicken man. We had some, some regular callers, but it was a radio show online that the regulars were there, but it's also instantaneous feedback. And as a promoter, as a talent, as a, you know, me well enough now, Conrad, shit, I do. I just dove into that. I loved it. Uh, but, uh, no, I, 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 I don't recall not saying that I didn't say that, but if I did say it, I'm positive. I'm just dunking on a guy. Cause I was, what, you, you said you're positive. You're dunking on a guy. I'm not dunking on the guy. Okay. That's what uh, I yeah, thought. Well, I, I mean, yeah, you're okay. You I didn't, I didn't know that you were friendly with him in real life is what I'm saying. I don't remember ever meeting him. Okay. So you're ribbing a guy that you've never met. So you really are shitting on him, but doing a tongue in cheek. <laughs> I got it. It's reported in the torch that Russo spent most of his time talking to, and I quote top names and former WWFers, Jeff Jarrett, Dustin Rhodes, and creative control. So this sounds an awful lot. Like you got the new boss's ear. Would you agree with that? We obviously had a working relationship, but reading through this episode and Vince is going to get all the criticism he rightly deserves, but in stuff like this, I, when you watch kind of vents operate there's nobody that he wouldn't talk to i, I just I, I just don't find that accurate at all whether it was new folks he tried to learn i can remember having the conversation him telling me bro do you know how many pieces of talent they have signed here and i'm like no and he whatever the number was it was including even some power plant guys it was I mean, that group of Palumbo, Jindrak, that group that came up, Mike said, I mean, there was 100, 150 guys, just a ridiculous amount of talent, which to me, in hindsight, 2020, was a big part of the problem. You just can't have that many bodies hanging around because you are going to have to, not just some, quite a few disgruntled talent because they're not getting booked. And one bad apple kind of spoils the bunch. Well, get four or five bad apples. They're not necessarily bad apples. They just want to work. They're not getting put on TV. They're bitching. They're complaining. It just, the, the entire culture backstage was, oh, look, Vince isn't talking to us. He's talking to Ron and Don Harris or whoever it may be. Failing to re- exclude that Russo probably talked to everybody in the building talent-wise or as much time as he could. Vince wasn't that way. He, he talked to everybody. So here's another quote here. Um, well, before we get to it, I guess we should say the beginnings of the NWO angle seem to start to form in November. It's on the 29th in Denver at the Pepsi arena. You're cutting open uh, Mike Tanay backstage with a guitar shot. Uh, and then you help Scott Hall retain his U S title over Sid when you hit Sid with a guitar, but you wind up getting speared and jackhammered by Goldberg for the save. In your mind, is this the beginning of the NWO angle or am I giving too much credit for long-term planning here? I think way too much credit. Look, Vince and and Ed, I think Ed probably has. I mean, I think those two could recall it a little bit better. Uh, I I would be giving it too much credit because, I mean, things just changed so much going going here. And uh, I don't want to skip over old – me and today chuckled. Me and Mike became buds in 96, 97 when I went there the first go around. And so when we got to do the guitar deal, he trusted me, although I scraped his nose up. But he did trust me and uh, had a lot of fun with that. But uh, about this time, Conrad, is when the guitar shots were coming two and three times a show. Yeah. I mean – I want you to hear that. Two and three times a show. Yeah. Way overdone. 
way overdone. So the outsiders start to interfere to help Brett retain the WCW title, but Brett makes it seems like he's not asking for or wanting that help. Uh, and later on that night, uh, you're in a three way between Chris Benoit and sting, which ends in under four minutes and Dustin comes out to cause your loss, hitting you with the ring bell, but it misses horribly. And unfortunately you still go down for the pin. Talk me through that. When something like that happens where you have this planned finish and for whatever reason, the big spot just does not look good. It's not intentional. It's a worst case scenario. What's the thinking? Do you have to make a decision right then to either alter the script and hope that you can quickly communicate with everyone and recover something that's passable, or is it better to just rip the bandaid off and go with it and get the hell out of there? I'd read always with the heart. You know, that's, I mean, that's a good question. I think that a couple to me, I was trying to put myself in the moment, a couple of factors. Is it live or is it live to tape? Can you edit this? If it's live, if it's a live event, non-televised, you can work around and keep going and let's do something and just at, keep at living. If it's live and you're under a time crunch and you've got guys and multiple people involved, you kind of got to roll with it because what the hell are you going to do? You can't stop the train. Trains don't stop Conrad and neither do bad finishes. Sometimes <laughs> you just got to roll with it. Later on that night, yes, this is all the same show. The main event three-way tag team cage match between Goldberg and Sid taking on Brett and Benoit taking on the outsiders with Roddy Piper as a referee. <laughs> you come out with a bunch of weapons, which seems weird for a cage match since the cage is supposed to keep people out. But what do you do? Well, you just walk right through the door and hit Piper and Goldberg with guitars and you give Hall and Nash handcuffs and you cuff heart, but Goldberg spears you. And it seems like the cage is supposed to give way, but in typical WCW fashion, something doesn't go right. So you recover and lay out Benoit and then Nash power bomb Sid Hall gives Goldberg, the outsider's edge, and we're all exhausted. Stop. Just stop Conrad. Seriously. Have you ever seen a good three-way cage? Look, I can't even say it. A good three-way tag in a cage with weapons with and interference. Referee. Yeah. With this, with Piper. Yes. So think about that. Piper being this bad. Oh my God. Here's what's funny to me. You were, you lived all this and you're like, I'm going to start my own company, invest all my life savings. I know what to do. <laughs> Let's call the guy who did this. Woo. Now, listen, we, we, we're going to give a lot of credit. I mean, I know this feels like we're dunking on Russo and I don't mean to, cause I know once upon a time. You and he were thick as thieves. He's always been super cool with me. And I give him a lot of credit for all the, uh, the highlight real moments he created in the WWF, but there are some moments here in WCW that, well, we got to place that blame somewhere. And I don't well, know. Conrad, it's this simple. We all have our strengths and we all have our weaknesses. Yes. Vince will tell you, well, maybe he won't, but him putting together sequencing inside this, the, the ropes in, in match he's not good at. And so when you get in the office in Atlanta, Georgia and write this stuff with no wrestling mind, you're going to get this. I mean, Jesus, a three-way tag with Piper as a special referee, just stop there. It's a disaster. Now add everything else you just laid out. What a mess. So Bret Hart comes out untouched. Uh, so 
this has to be the plan moving forward for the NWO at this point. Do you know that's the plan? Nope. Okay. I really don't. I, I, I don't know. Um, no, I don't. It's announced the next week on nitro that you'll be taking on Dustin Rhodes in a bunkhouse match at Starcade. So let's recap. You just had a match previously announced with you and buff in a guitar on a pole match, but now it's Dustin Rhodes in a bunkhouse match. What would you have rather done? Oh, me and Dustin. Well, I, I mean, buff, we had pretty good chemistry, uh, but me and Dustin always worked really well in, um, WCW as gold dust. My bad. Look, I'm already confused in WWE as gold dust. Me and uh, Dustin had a good match out in, um, West coast, uh, one of those pay-per-views, we always had good chemistry is what I'm saying. And so a bunkhouse match and I knew creative control, Ron and Don were going to be involved. That, that was, that was the direction that we were headed. And there was a little planning put into that. I was pretty fired up to, to get to have this match. So you open this show, uh, the next show with Oakland in the ring and you cut a promo and challenge Brett and Goldberg and even Mike today to come out. And unbelievably today does come out. And you let him know that you're not interested in any lawsuits, but you being you still attack him anyway and put him in the figure four. And then Goldberg makes the save. We didn't really talk about the cut on today though. I mean, we've seen you crush a lot of guys with guitars. Very seldom does it go or that I've noticed, does it go very poorly, but old Mike today of all people winds up taking a little damage here. Any he hard feelings? He had a little gash. He good with it? Um, he sure acted like that. It's part of the, yeah, he's fine. Mike understood the industry better than almost anyone he understood, but, but I'm not saying he's, yeah, he was fine with it. So last yeah. week you hit today yeah. this week, later the same night, you hit Medusa with a guitar <laughs> Medusa. Now, even women aren't safe yeah. and you challenge Goldberg for the main event. Um, and I gotta tell you, man, coming over from, from the WWF where you're getting covered and as you would say, flyer and, and, and getting humiliated in a, in a good housekeeping match, but losing to a woman. Now you're working with Goldberg in the main event, just like eight weeks later. All right. Some of this creative might be hard to keep up with, but Goldberg's still fucking Goldberg here in 99. Is he not? And look who's surrounding the ring in green Bay with green Bay Packers surrounding ringside. This is one of those kind of microcosms of my career. Uh, I mean, little moments to, to pull out, you know, we we're we're talking and we're going to get deep into some NWO and concussions and George animal steel and lots of nonsense. But if you just take out Goldberg versus Jarrett on nitro in green Bay with green Bay Packers at ringside, uh, they gave us a little time. Uh, me and bill had a good working relationship. Um, it was, yeah, I mean, I, I'll call it a career. It's a definite career highlight. Uh, NFL legends at ringside. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool moment for old, uh, oh, uh, one of the Los Quatro Caballeros. Let's just say that. So Dustin Rhodes beats Ming by DQ on this show as well. After you interfere and Rhodes is going to turn the table and is about to hit the shattered dreams, but Holland Nash make the save. Um, now check this out. I'm so glad you're making sense of this Conrad. <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, but here we go. Closing 20 minutes of nitro. All right. Mm. Page then wrestled Sid, which lasted about one minute before the worst rest ref bump of the night. Hall and Nash come out. Fans chanted for Goldberg. Hart came in. Jarrett came in. 
They still wanted Goldberg security came in and the fans booed Nick Patrick and security then all left. The refs are now going on strike. What a novel idea. Piper said he'd ref the Goldberg Jarrett main event, and it would be a lumberjack match. And Jarrett did a good job. And this was the only match on the show to have any heat. Jarrett tried to leave at one point and three members of the green Bay Packers, including Gilbert Brown chased him back. Everyone was interfering. Jarrett hit Goldberg with two chair shots, but Goldberg kicked out to a nice pop. Hart hit Jarrett with the title belt. Goldberg speared Jarrett and went for the jackhammer win. And again, nearly lost him at seven minutes and 14 seconds. So, I mean, listen, it's, uh, all over the place creatively, but you got the NFL here taking part. You're working with Goldberg. You're in the main event. Even if the creative is uh, a little scattered, maybe you're in a prime time spot here, bud. are you not for sure? And the people. I, again, it's how's it hard? I, I mean, it's you're not really patting anybody on. You know, it's not that Goldberg was super over. It's not that Double J had a boatload of heat, uh, and it's not like Creative was hitting on all cylinders. We had the freaking Green Bay Packers uh, in. Uh, I think was this. This was Milwaukee. My bad. It's Milwaukee. But but uh, just still, it's in their backyard. The people were electric, and and I'll just say this: that day. Um, production came to me. Penzer was there. There was a couple of us there that we sort of said, here's the camera shot. You're going to have to get this on the chair shots, everything timing wise and the beats uh, of everything creatively, you know, proverbial wish Bruce was here. He could give us a little, you know, little chicken salad. We, we took some chicken shit creatively and it came out. You know, if you take a little grapes, Conrad, and you put it in the chicken. Salad. Oh God, will you stop? <laughs> it so, turned out good though. Go ahead. The next line on thunder, you team with Mona now known to everyone as Molly Holly and take on Evan courageous and Medusa. So Jeff, help me understand <laughs> <laughs> you're working with the bread hearts and the Holland Nashes and the Roddy Pipers and the Goldbergs, but the next and night NFL football players and the Packers <laughs> and not six months later, the next night. You're working with Mona, Evan, courageous, and Medusa. Well, you don't tag in Mona takes the loss and she hits you with a drop kick. So you hit her with a guitar afterwards. Cause you're just crushing these chicks left and right. Uh, and I just wonder how you slept with yourself knowing that you were hitting women like that. But now I know yes, sleeping sir. just fine. Cause you got chilly sleep. You see science tells us the best way to achieve and maintain consistent deep sleep is by lowering core body temperature. You see, temperature-controlled sleep is going to repair your muscles after a hard day's work and improve your cognitive function to strengthen your athletic readiness. And that's why this Memorial Day, Chili Sleep is working with veteran organizations to support our hero's sleep and recovery, too. Chili Sleep makes customizable, climate-controlled sleep solutions that help you improve your entire well-being. These water-based temperature-controlled mattress toppers fit over your existing mattress to provide you your ideal sleep temperature. It's like a smart thermostat for your bed. Their cooling technology leverages water's amazing thermal powers for deep restorative sleep. They're designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep, and give you the confidence and energy to power through your day. And recently chili sleep partnered with the independence fund for Memorial day to donate sleep systems and show gratitude to our veterans. Plus us military and veterans can get special savings at checkout throughout Memorial day weekend. This has been a game changer for me. 
Over the weekend, I slept eight hours and 45 minutes one night, and it's all because of chili sleep. I was so productive the next day. Well, I'm still doing podcasts. Come on now. Chili sleep makes it happen. Head over to chilisleep.com forward slash my world to learn more and save 30% off the purchase of any new cube or Uller sleep system. This offer is especially for my world with Jeff Jarrett listeners and only for a limited time. That's chili C H I L I sleep.com slash my world to take advantage of our exclusive discount and wake up feeling refreshed every day. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's journey, the free to play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Uh, so let's, let's try to tag back in here. Now we know you've hit two ladies with these guitars and Nitro on December 13th from New Orleans sees you and Benoit brawling with each other in the backstage area. And then the artist formerly known as Prince Ikea and the maestro take on each other. And from the observer quote, Jarrett killed both guys after uh, with a guitar, the fans pop for this because they hated both guys. Not sure if Jarrett's getting over they're popping for him, but the ratings and house shows say nobody is close to being over, but the fans like the guitar breaking on people's heads. So, I mean, there is something to say to that. I mean, I guess that's why you have a quote unquote gimmick like this or a prop is so you can use it to your advantage and you've used it to your advantage more in WCW here in just about two months than maybe you did in your entire WWF run. But did you think I'm doing it too much and I'm going to do it to diminishing returns? Yes. And I don't want to skip by folks go out of your way. I'm sure Marcus and social media folks will uh, dig this up. Molly Holly took one of the best guitar shots ever. What a freaking bump she took off of it. But with that being said, Conrad, yes, it was over. I mean, I loved debuting and cracking buff. I mean, that, that just had, had the impact, but man, like we just said earlier, sometimes there were two and three a night, you know, maybe once a month, uh, and then maybe pay-per-view, but man, it was literally went from doing, oh, we're going to do it every show to multiple times, just overkill. You know, it just, it, it's, it's easy to desensitize to a lot of things that, that, you know, chair shots, blood, whatever it may be. I mean, back in the day, oh my God, you can't do a DDT, but one time a match, you know, it, it, it becomes, but with, with, with the guitar and you have shrapnel all around, it's different than 20 super kicks or 20 DDTs or whatever, a move. It, it's just, it's, it was overdone period. I bring this point up because Meltzer, uh, and Wade Keller have interesting takes here. Wade would say this Scott Hall and Kevin Nash have been aligned with Jeff Jarrett, trying to help them get heel heat. Hall and Nash though, don't want to be true heels. And as a result, will probably hurt Jarrett's heel heat more than Jarrett will help their heel heat. Uh, so I know that's a little bit of double speak, but let me explain the NWO has always been presented as the cool heels. Well, anyone listening to this knows Jeff Jarrett never tried to be cool. Jeff Jarrett wanted you to hate his ass. And he did such a great job that most of you listening to now or listening to the show now used to say, a Jeff Jarrett podcast, who would listen to that? I hated him. 
And then you hear the podcast and you're like, well, wait, this guy's pretty fucking cool, but I hated him on TV. Yeah. That was the idea. Uh, <laughs> he, he took it seriously in being a heel, but there is a, an old school school of thought and I won't name any names, but you and I have a lot of friends who say cool heels killed the business. The NWO never really had their comeuppance. They never really had a payoff. It was never disbanded correctly. And if you're a cool heel, you cut the knees off. You cut off a baby face at the knees. You got to be hateable. You don't want to be the, the heel who's cheered. You just, you know, neuter a baby face. Would you agree with that? Well, agree with what? Cause I, I don't, uh, you know, but where are you at on cool heels? So me and Kevin Nash have had this discussion. Me and Scott Hall had this discussion back today. I would have it in, in rooms. And, and I'll say this not to throw, there were certain guys that were very vocal about cool hills. Don't draw money. Conrad, here's my position on that. It's kind of, you've got to make as a talent, whatever's going to work, work for you. But you, if you're going to be the cool heel, you, you got to make sure that the baby face you're facing and Scott Hall would always, he can be cool heel and this and that he would always put over his baby face. Right. So you think about stone cold, Steve Austin, when, when he, you know, the rocket ship took off, he black tights, black boots, flipped the bird off. He did nothing that you would say that fits a traditional baby face, but look at his opponent, Vince, it was employee versus employer, that whole storyline. So I think there's a position for cool Hills. I think when I was with Kevin and Scott by them, basically us working together, I don't think it's, I just think we all, we weren't bookends. We, we were all three different characters. And when you look at big daddy, cool and uh, Kevin Nash and Scott hall and Hey, yo, those different dynamics, when it was time, time, when it, when it came time to do the business, they fed for the comeback. They did this, they did that. I believe they were, I don't want to say ahead of their time, but that friction that Kevin got in that mid to late nineties. And when he took shots at the four horsemen and all that, it was a evolution and a transition in the business that I was always wanting the four horsemen or the WCW folks to come back and just kick the sh crap out of them. And you said, oh, they never got their payoff. Well, they did episodically. Lex Luger came in at a bargain basement, and he got so over. Eric Bischoff gave him a crazy raise, and he was that traditional babyface. I just think it's all situational. And I know I got granular there, but I think that is, to me, it's so easy to say, ah, cool heels don't draw. I, I don't agree with that at all. I'm not saying they don't draw, but I think it neuters the babyface. Yeah. I agree. Huh? I agree with that. It neuters the baby face because the NWO it, was so cool. Like when, when he would say, you know, when, when Scott Hall did the survey and everybody cheered them and booed WCW, what are we cheering for? I think that's where the shades of gray in wrestling really started to come from. I agree. But I think from a creative perspective, I, I believe, and I think that's how Lex got over. Lex was the mainstay and yes, he jumped back ship. He could have, I, mean, I just think the creative storyline arcs weren't done. I don't think it had anything to do with cool heels. I, I just wish flair or Lex or sting, whoever it may have been would have got their comeuppance. Cool heels can draw. 
So you're scheduled for a bunkhouse match later on in the night against Chris Benoit. You get the win after Dustin runs in and gets thrown into the ladder. Benoit was standing on and you both, uh, you hit both with a guitar and pin Benoit. So it's a ladder match. It's a bunkhouse match. There's guitars. And then on thunder, you save Hall and Nash from Sid and Dustin before Benoit comes out and eats a guitar shot. And in the main event, you team with Scott and Kevin to defeat Sid, Benoit, and Dustin when you hit Sid with a guitar, a guitar and Nash gets the pin. Now, Thunder isn't remembered all that well by a lot of fans, and rightfully so, but this is a big-time main event for a show. Let's run through it again. Jeff Jarrett, Scott Hall, and Kevin Nash taking on Sid, Benoit, and Dustin. Of course, there's guitars all around. Um and, and Meltzer would even speculate the reason you were given pyro and a superstar entrance is they're trying to make you the new Sean Michaels. I can't imagine that anybody used that phrase ever. I understand the pairing of Hall and Nash. Maybe people would say that, but you know, like how you like to shoehorn your way into groups that you never were really a part of like the right. bullet club, like the horseman, like the NWO. Well, right. you've also said you were part of the click, which we know is not true. There's never, ever been one picture. I never, ever said I was part of the click. I was pre-click. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> do you remember hearing people say, hey, man. Uh, hell a, no. Of course Think not. Think about that. It's no, just, it's just it, silly. But you look, Dave has made a fortune off of his line of well, work. Well, hang on now. Somebody was telling him that. I mean, I believe that somebody said, I, oh. I, but- I, I honestly don't believe that. I believe that's straight out of date. On, on this case. I cannot think, well, I can't say that maybe somebody in WCW, but it would not surprise me. It would have been a hater, right? So here's what I'm saying. I'm not saying Kevin Sullivan said it or whatever. I'm just saying, yeah. Uh, oh man, you see what they're doing with Jarrett? Give putting him with Hall and Nash, giving him the pyro. He must be their new Sean Michaels. Oh my God. That's probably the take. So here we are at Starcade, and man, Starcade uh, Mm. less than ideal. Going into it, Scott Hall is hurt and unable to wrestle against Chris Benoit. Uh, Benoit comes out during the show and it's announced that he's now United States champion, but the titles are won and lost in the ring and he'll be defending the title on the show. But first you need to wrestle Dustin. Uh, Meltzer gave you guys two and a half stars. You got 11 minutes and 21 seconds in a bunkhouse match. Uh, Dave would write, there were so many references during the show to dusty roads that he has to be coming back. Dustin bleached his hair back blonde. Jarrett took out Rhodes' knee with a wheelbarrow Rhodes slammed him with a wheelbarrow. He later clocked Jarrett with the cowbell and posted him all kinds of silly stuff here, including Kirk coming out while Jarrett is whipping Rhodes to untie the ref and put and pull, uh, pull the duct tape hard off of his mouth. And Jarrett uses a two by four on Rhodes. They trade near falls until Rhodes uses the shattered dreams kick on Garrett or Jarrett. Um, but Henning pulls the referee out of the ring. And then he gave Henning the shattered dreams and the match ends with both men brawling near the entrance way. Rhodes would bulldog Kurt on the floor. And then he's uh pray for Jarrett to come off the ladder. Guitar shot. There's the pin. So you're at Starcade, and hey, this is supposed to be the granddaddy of them all, but it probably feels a little less than. In December. Yes. No granddaddy of them all anymore in December. That's a, a down month. Where was this Starcade at? Not that it's relevant, because I'm trying to. Was this uh, DC? All of them were at that point, I believe. I think. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, 
again, I'll go back. I always enjoyed working with Dustin. We busted our butt. We had a good one. Um, lots of moving parts, but, but, uh, you know, and Dustin go back to 89 and old WCCW USWA. That's the first place I met Dustin. Do you change your approach when you, when you know you got to wrestle twice like this? I was just like, do what? Um, I can't, I can't, no, I can't say I really changed my approach. I get my, not approach, but I definitely had my mindset. You know, what am I at, at this stage? It's, uh, th- I'm 30 or, or 31. Anyway, I could have wrestled 10 times. I mean, just the cardio shape, the, the, the mind frame, the mindset. Um, I was ready to go, man. I was, I, I just, I enjoyed it. Uh, and, uh, again, not to be repetitive, me and Dustin had good chemistry. So he worked hard. I worked hard. Ron and Don were there. Good stuff. Um, later on, there's a master of the power bomb match between Sid and Kevin Nash. You hit Sid with the guitar because this show doesn't have enough of you in general. Oh my uh, God. and Nash can't power bomb Sid, uh, but the referee is bumped. So when the referee does come to Nash points at Sid on the mat and the referee calls for the bell. I don't even know what to say here. Uh, but right after that, you're up for a ladder match for the U S title against Chris Benoit. Uh, and the observer says, uh, Chris Benoit either won the vacant U S title or retained since he was giving the belt earlier in the show, beating Jarrett in a ladder match in 10 minutes and 15 seconds. It was an excellent match. Benoit suffered a big cut on the bridge of his nose early from getting the ladder drop kicked into his face and not protecting himself which only made the thing more dramatic as he'd fire back with his face, all bloody Benoit delivered a superplex off the top and Jarrett did sort of a backward superplex on Benoit from the ladder. Jarrett was hung upside down by his legs and the ladder was shoved down. Both took big bumps when the other would knock the ladder down. Benoit took a throat drop on the ropes, falling off the ladder while Jarrett crotched himself, taking a fall. Benoit climbed and Jarrett drop kicked the ladder. Benoit took another great bump. He came back and delivered a diving headbutt off the top of the ladder and then climbed back up and grabbed the belt to win four stars. And you guys steal the show. This is the match of the night. A lot of the show as well, not good. And a little sad when we see Bret Hart being hurt in his match with Goldberg, but man wrestling twice here, two sort of gimmick matches, got two and a half stars with Dustin four stars with Benoit. I think this ladder match is criminally underrated. I understand a lot of folks don't want to celebrate Benoit matches and I get it, but I don't know how many ladder matches you've been in, but this has to be one of the best ones, right? For sure. And you know, Conrad over the years, when, um, I'll call the, the typical, I do interviews and you know, they, uh, they'll, they'll hit the highlights of the career and, you know, and they'll get to WCW and often folks will say, well, there, were, there really wasn't anything very good about that area, you know, that kind of stuff. Jeff, do you have any comments? And I say, you know, I'm really glad that, that, um, whether, you know, my dad, my grandmother, maybe probably a coach, but I kind of had the mindset during this run, the Dustin match, the nitros, the thunders, Jeff only control what you really, all you can really do is it, do your very best with, with the stuff you're given and the match you're given. And this ladder match is one of those ones that I often point people to and say, look, not everything was terrible during this era. It just wasn't. Was there a lot of 
scrambled eggs and it was easy fodder and WWE was hitting on all cylinders with stone cold and rock and DX and all that. But this match, we literally had the finish Conrad and that's it. Cause I worked earlier and Chris was like, Hey man, we'll, we'll just, we'll roll with it. And I'm like, well, I think we can get to this spot and he would come back through the night. And I said, Chris, you're going to have kind of the guidepost anyway, but I, I, I really think this is one of my best WCW matches. Um, and it was not a lot of, you know, it's not like we had a week to plan this or a couple of weeks to plan this or a hot angle. It's as cold a ladder matches. I think you can possibly book because just as you said, I've already worked once this night. There was no rhyme or reason for me to be in the match other than, oh man, who can we put in this match against Benoit? Up, oh, Jeff will do it. No, he's already working. That's oh, okay. Let him work twice. That, that to me is kind of insane, but a compliment as well. It's uh man, such, a, such an interesting time. I mean, I don't, I don't really know what to say. I just know that we're going to try to do our best with it. Um, did you see Brett after the show? No. What? Okay. Uh, um, obviously during this era, um, the organization was run. There wasn't a team concept and I'm not saying rah, rah, shish, boom, bah. I don't think you can see, succeed that anyway. I think you need to have healthy, healthy competition amongst the talent, everybody striving to be at the top and all that. But there were so many folks. And as we get through all these WCW stories, there was the million, the, the legit millionaire club guys that had their guaranteed deals that their, their incentive, they weren't incentivized other than I don't want to get hurt because I want to keep the check coming and just kind of navigate their way through. And they've got a new rider in and okay. How long is Vince going to be here? It just, it, it was a mess. It was a real, real mess, but I didn't hang around. I didn't find out about it till back at the hotel, but I didn't really No, I didn't know it was serious at the time at all. Like at all. So we should mention the match ends with him and Goldberg where Brett put Goldberg in the sharpshooter and Roddy Piper rings the bell. This is very reminiscent of the screw job from Montreal two years prior. Uh, that gives Brett the victory and he's going to retain the title and Roddy Piper just walks off with his head down and we don't really have any answers, but the next night on nitro starts to all come together except for Brett because his brain is scrambled eggs. Thanks to Goldberg at this point. And you may want to lay that out that, that what happened in this match with the kick. So there's two, there's two pieces. Uh, one of the Brett staples in this era was he would put the figure four on around the post and allegedly one of the tricks, one of the pieces of magic, if you will, is the guy on the inside helps hold the other guy who's applying the figure four. So he doesn't crack his skull on the concrete. Goldberg didn't offer any assistance like stone cold and so many others have undertaker and everybody else who's taken this. And so as a result, Brett cracks his head on the concrete fast forward a few minutes later in the ring and Goldberg throws a kick that is essentially a mule kick. That is not a, uh, Chris Adams, super kick. This is full blast to the head. And now Brett is seriously concussed and he would never be the same. Effectively, his wrestling career ended that night and he would have health problems forever and ever and ever. 
but he's still going to power through because that's what guys did back then. And that's a sad testament of, of what was going on back then, but it is positive that we're not doing that now. Uh, so I'm glad that there's been a change in the industry, but it was too late for Brett. He's in bad shape here and he's making nitro the very next night sincerely and seriously cut concussed. In fact, he opens the show on nitro and says, he's not interested in winning the WCW title the way he did. So he's giving up the title and is going to take on Goldberg for the title again that night. And you face Benoit in a rematch for the U S title and yet another ladder match. And Lord knows if I bought this pay-per-view and I spent $30 for it and I tune in the next night and they did the same shit again, I'd be thrilled. I I, I just don't understand Jeff. Like I understand that pay-per-views aren't what we're booking for this, a television company, but at the same time, where's the consumer confidence in all this? Like, wait a minute. What did I just pay for? If you're doing it, if you're running it back the same way. Oh, so it's Brett and Goldberg for the title again. Yes. And it's uh Benoit and Jarrett in a ladder match for the belt again. Yes. What the fuck did I pay $30 for? Conrad, it is so simple. And this isn't even hindsight. Vince Russo, Ed Farrar, and that, those guys and whoever worked under them, they could have cared less what pay-per-view buys were. They could have cared less about consumer confidence. They were judged strictly off ratings. On the other hand, you have Vince McMahon, especially during this time, the rights fees weren't up there, that the massive amount of pay-per-view buys were ultimately a big part of what took his company public. Therein lies the crystal clear difference in the two organizations. Russo and creative could have cared less about pay-per-view buys and Vince McMahon cared everything about that and wrote and produce and market his product around mania one rumble two, SummerSlam three survivor four and on and on and on super crystal clear. But you ask the intelligent question, what about consumer confidence? Yeah. You think that those two words were ever said in December of 1999? No. In the, hell no. None. Well, let's take a listen uh, to the uh, the end of the ladder. Well, guess what? It, yeah, this is the opening Benoit's been looking for. That's exactly right. It's giving Benoit the shot to climb up the ladder and grab the belt. There's the big opening when he opens that ladder. Yeah, it's going to be academic. Now he just has to climb the ladder and get the U.S. title.
to wrestle twice. And Benoit's not moving. Benoit didn't know about the second ladder. We have a new United States champion, I believe. You're right, it's over. And he earned it. He did it the hard way, guys. He earned it. I love that little skit, just in case you were just listening and couldn't watch. The, uh, and we're showing it on social media and YouTube, of course, but my goodness, what a cool moment it is when Benoit goes to climb the ladder. He thinks he's got you beat. You're on the outside selling a knee injury. The rungs just collapse out from under him. So he's annoyed, but he tries the other side. It happens again. And as soon as it does miraculously, you just spring to life. Your knee is just fine. Crush his ass with a guitar, find a second ladder, steal the victory. And now I guess here for the second time, cause you won it back in June of 97, you're the United States champion this time in Baltimore and everybody knows those horsemen love you in Baltimore. Oh, they did this weekend. Kind of, you know, that gift that sometimes you put on social media, just the head shaking. Yes. This. Why couldn't we just have done a simple finish here? I, I mean, yeah. listen, I get it, but if you're gonna, I've never seen that before. So it's pretty have creative. Yeah, no, I saw that moment, but I'm saying, I don't remember seeing that spot in a ladder match before. Yeah, I, I got you. That's pretty so, creative for what it is. Okay. Wow. Connie, give it some props. The only yeah. thing that was a little unusual is Benoit. Who's ever the professional when he turned around to take that chair shot, he made his oh. neck disappear. Just, okay, here we go. Here we go. And yeah. so, and I understand it, especially since you're running around, you know, cracking up and announcers with it, he probably <laughs> does want to get ready. Uh, oh, two-time U.S. champion in Baltimore. Remember so it? Jarrett was then told by Russo that finish was nothing. Wait until you see the main event finish. So <laughs> there's a lot of inside baseball and references. You even heard when I don't know if it was Shivani or Tanay, but somebody said somebody's gimmick this ladder. There was a pause, and Bobby Heenan goes gimmick because. It's so inside baseball. I'm sure he felt like, geez, guys, we're just exposing the business out here. But at that point, I think everything in WCW had pretty much been exposed. Had it not? Oh man. And you know, I think Heenan and Tanay and Shivani, but he, Heenan, his wit, both to the general public, but also to like you listening, you, you catch that. God, they don't make them like Bobby Heenan. It just Lawler Heenan, those guys that are really, really good with words and timing and, and comedy and humor and all that, but gimmick. I mean, you know, the, the normal, I'll call it casual fan. Wouldn't latch onto that. Like you would. Right. Very entertaining. Very entertaining indeed. Uh, but it did, especially when he says, Hey, if you like that finish, wait till you see the finish of the main event. I mean, that's a little inside baseball. Um, and I guess, you know, as we said, it, it's hard to put the genie back in the bottle, uh, for WCW in this era, speaking of hard, let's talk about Jeff Jarrett, old double J's dick meat. All right. It's time to dig yourself out of the winter hibernation boys. It's time to get strutting and cutting. Cause spring is here. Let's get sprung with blue chew, not with a guitar shot from Jeff Jarrett, but Hey, it could work the same way. You know what I'm saying? Guys, confidence can take you far in life. It can also help with the bedroom, especially when it's time to step up to the plate. And that's where we recommend you get the hot tag from blue chew. Blue chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost, you can take them anytime day or night. So you can plan ahead or be ready whenever an opportunity arises. 
And the process is simple. Sign up at bluechew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers. And once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA, prepared and shipped directly to your door, all in a discreet package. And man, when it shows up, it's going to feel like a guitar shot to the head for somebody in your house. So if you could benefit from extra confidence when it's time to perform, Blue Chew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew for free when you use our promo code MYWORLD at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's bluechew.com. The promo code is MYWORLD to receive your first month for free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast and Jeff's Wiener. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Uh, Jeff, tell me about this. Is it true? I I don't know. I don't necessarily want to say any names, but somebody attributed this quote to you. It'll get it so hard. Even a cat couldn't scratch it. (laughs) Is that right? A cat couldn't scratch it. What does that even mean? Oh, you know, we have a, uh, a a cat in our, uh, in the Jared household now. Really? Opie and AJ, the golden doodles and Ty, the little sheep who, uh, now have uh, Kira brought home a stray, and we took it in against my better wishes. But um, the cat is—it's uh, a little kitten, so it's—I don't know, four or five months old. It's got like a scratching post, and man, when they go to scratching on those posts, Conrad, that post is really—it's a wood post. Cat scratch fever. <laughs> Come on now, bluechew.com forward slash my world. So here we go, main event time. Finally, after all the hype, Hart wrestled Goldberg and the match had no heat, especially compared with the night before when the match was pretty intense before the finish. Of course, another ref bump. Hart uses the figure four, but Goldberg reverses. Hall and Nash come out with a bat, teasing hitting Brett, but of course hit Goldberg. They gave the bat to Hart and he hit Goldberg. Piper then did his run in way before he was supposed to. The idea is that Hart was supposed to pin Goldberg and Piper would jump on Goldberg to protect him. The problem was... Piper jumped on Goldberg before Hart could pin him. Hart tried to pull him off, but in the angle, Piper wasn't supposed to budge, so he didn't. So in this great heat spot, you had Hart and Nash laughing because of how silly it was. And the referee, Billy Silverman, didn't know what to do either. So he counted the pin with Piper on top. So Piper, I guess, is world champion. But not this time, as they simply announced it was a figment of our imaginations and it was Bret Hart, not Piper, who had covered Goldberg and won the title. Jarrett came out and guess what? Hit Piper with a guitar. Who saw that coming? Uh, and spray painted NWO on Goldberg and Piper. And you thought there was no originality in that finish? They spray painted it with silver paint. So ta-da, it is a new idea. As Bruce likes to say, it's a fresh paint of coat. It's not white. It's silver. Uh, well, bro. So Piper pinned Goldberg, but Brett's the champion. 
What? Conrad, can I ask you something? I, I got a lot of questions myself. You first. Can you do a pretty good, and we're not dunking on him, but can you do a pretty good Russo impersonation? I can't. I mean, I could say bro, but I'm not good at it. And by the way, I, I know it feels like we're dunking on him. Look, hey, look, he, I, well, I can't guarantee, but I, he I, would, I, this, I, let me just say this. Russo was in an unwinnable position. Nobody ever talks about it. Nobody ever gives him credit for that. The reality is by the time he comes in, the WWF is on fire. <clears throat> Whatever momentum WCW had is gone. <clears throat> Goldberg is no longer this unbeatable machine. The finger poke of doom has happened. Things are just bad. And now he's inherited a mess with a huge payroll and he's tasked with fix it. But the trouble is there's been a precedent set with an entire roster who can have no shows, who can do what they want to do, who are playing their creative control card. And it, he inherited a mess. And it was a mess that Eric Bischoff couldn't solve because he was sent home. It was a mess that no one in WCW or Turner felt they could fix inside their own house. They thought, well, we need a magic bullet. We need somebody from the outside because if we could have fixed this already, we would have. So they called a guy who, who got a lot of credit for a lot of great things and had a lot of great success somewhere else. But now that guy is not being put in and said, Hey man, figure out something with a blank slate. And if you've ever done any sort of uh, home building or remodeling, you've heard this phrase before. Sometimes it's easier to build from the ground up than remodel. That is what Russo was tasked with. You're behind the eight ball on day one. So he has to throw a lot of stuff at the wall and see what sticks. And it's easy for us to armchair quarterback and say, well, I wouldn't have done that. Well, what would you have done? Because it's easy for you to say, well, I've got all of this roster. Are they all here? Are they all playing ball? Can I navigate the politics in the locker room and the office? This is a totally different approach to professional wrestling than Vince McMahon ever had. So all of a sudden, even though you're saying, well, it's the same thing. It's not the same thing. It's not the approach from the entire company and business is totally different. So now it's like, Hey man, I know you're a badass welder. We're really having troubles with our plumbing department. It used to be the best plumbing department in the country, but now we're sucking hind teeth. Can you come fix our plumbing? And in theory, you think, well, shit. Yeah. I mean, I did it for the welders. I can do it for the, it don't work like that, bro. It's a totally different fucking business. And nobody ever talks about the fact that Russo was playing catch up ball. And, and, and Jeff, you know, this, if you're down, let's say we're playing football. All right. And we're down three touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Would we handle our play calling the same way we would, if we're starting zero, zero. Yeah, it's this, I am under the learning tree today, but no, I, I could not agree more it, it, in that scenario. We're not going to hand the ball off, off tackle. We're not, we're not doing a bunch of runs. No, buddy. We're doing a hail Mary run your ass as fast as you can to the fucking end zone. I'm going to chunk it up there. Maybe we'll catch something. Now that doesn't make any sense in the first quarter. Cause guess what? You're opening yourself up for turnovers. But at this point we're down three scores. The clock's ticking. I got to do something now. I got to have some flea flicker trickeration music city miracle bullshit happen or I'm dead. 
white paint, silver paint, red paint. Get it out there, boys. Hey, man, we've tried everything else. They used to love this. Fuck it. Let's try that. So <laughs> I, I get it. But sometimes it's overbooked that if you're one of the boys, you got to be thinking, well, how am I going to be the champion if he's on top of him and won't get off? <laughs> so if you're one of the boys, you're like, well, I give up. This sucks. And I understand it does suck. But man, even though you and I have poked a lot of fun at the creative, I just want everybody to understand from my perspective. And I, I haven't talked about this with Jeff. You're playing catch up ball. It's the fourth quarter. You're down three scores. You can't do a, well, let's do a halfback draw. That ain't going to score no points. It might get three yards, but we don't need yards. We need points. And he was looking for that magic bullet. And he thought, well, maybe the silver paint and Jeff Jarrett and some fucking Bob Vila glasses will do it. And it didn't. (laughs) Conrad. I love it. Hell of a rant, but you know what? It is. That's a great analogy. Look at the Cowboys of today. Jerry Jones. They haven't won since the nineties. Jerry Jones gets a new coach and he puts them in a fourth quarter situation every year at literally every year, yes. but no, it was, let's do not one guitar. Let's do three guitars a show. Let's did NWO. You're, you're right. All across the board. Hell Conrad. I'm well aware of this. I lived it. I lived it. What we're talking about. It was a damn zoo, but I'd forgot until I read the notes about the Piper Brett finish. And Hall and Nash getting chuckled, getting tickled. On Nitro, folks, this was a part of the Monday Night Wars. <laughs> it's uh, it's crazy. Let's let's track yeah. the audio here. All right, so Goldberg is in the figure four. Bret Hart's got it on him. Nash and Hall. They're sliding in, wearing their tag belts. Hall has the baseball bat, and they're just looking at the guys. Brett's covering up. They are just sitting down. Now they're beating Goldberg with the bats. Nash is handing a ball back to Bret Hart. What the hell? Oh, there's a swerve going on here, guys. Oh, no. So Brett's going to make the cover and all of a sudden Piper's beating on him. So hall or Nash hits him w- with the baseball bat. He collapses. Brett just looks down and realizes, wait, Brett's on top of him and he's trying to get Piper off. Piper's not budging. They're just standing around with their fingers up their ass pointing and laughing now. Cause what do you do? And now here comes old slap Dick Jones. So Piper took a bat shot to the head and now a guitar to the head. And here comes the, uh, the spray paint and they spray paint Goldberg and then they spray paint Roddy Piper and what's old is new again. The NWO is back. 
couldn't say that I would have called that, but there it Red is. Red Heart at this time. Let's track it here. Hang on. So Brett was yelling into the microphone, but his mic was dead because WCW y'all, but still Jeff Jarrett's the U S champion. Brett's the world champion. The outsiders are the tag champion. It is a hell of a visual that this group has all the belts reminiscent of the NWO at their heyday reminiscent of the four horsemen back before you killed them too. But yeah, this is another substantial, important historical group that you're doing your very best to personally, individually crush forever. Right. Conrad. Mm-hmm. You've often said, I've heard others, you know, Jeff's a pretty talented guy. Can you name another guy that just those credentials you just laid out? That's done that. Let's run through it now. <laughs> Personally, <laughs> you, you, you know, the deal. Oh, uh, I love you. Conrad. What are you thinking no. when you're in the ring run? I mean, no. don't, don't get me wrong. It's cool to be a part of the NWO. It's cool to have the U S belt around your waist. It's cool that Hall and Nash have the tag belts. It's cool that Brett has the big gold. It's cool that Piper and Goldberg are laying prone and nitro has been a staple for a long, long time. So I'm sure all of that is like, man, this is kind of cool, but you know, in your heart of hearts, this is even a little too Memphis for me. Conrad, what what have I always called myself? A delusional optimist. optimist. So you thought this is the greatest shit ever. I didn't think it's the greatest shit. I'll be real here. I thought, okay, I'm consistent. I'll be at every Nitro and Thunder. Yes. Brett Brett is, I didn't know how serious the injury was, but look, he's, I think he still had limited dates and he's not going to make all the live events, but Hall and Nash, they're going to make their shots on this. I thought as a group, okay. This is a fresh coat of paint, but you look at, you know, Brett came off that run at WWF. Hot, he, hot, hot. I mean, the guy, obviously he wasn't Hogan, but he was a different, he was the top guy. And Hall and Nash had obviously taken the NWO to the tippy, tippy, tip top. I just thought those three, I did think I was, I was the young guy of the bunch by quite a few years. Those guys are, you know, eight, nine, 10 years older than me. I thought, okay, this group, I'm not going to say we're going to like reverse the rating tr- war and all that kind of stuff. I thought it had legs, Conrad. I did. I really thought, okay, I'm in. Let's go make it work. I remember having the conversation with Farrar and, and Russo, and, and I, I don't know anybody else is, please don't water down the group. Please. Let, let, let's give these four guys a, a run and let's get in a story. You know me, I'm big on what is the personal issue to draw money. The quicker we can get there, the quicker you have a opportunity to get a result. Well, the next night we're in thunder at Maryland and it starts with the NWO shitting on the fans and they introduce a new phrase for the NWO. Once you've had the black, you'll never go back. I'm going to say that's a Kevin and Scott line. (laughs) Later on Russo tells Kurt that, uh, Henning isn't with the NWO, but he's going to team 
with you to take on creative control, you no show and creative control just destroys him. And then you guys come out and give him the spray paint. Which makes no sense. None of this makes sense. I guess they had to clearly, uh, clarify that Kurt Henning is not a part of the NWO. I, I guess that was the reasoning, but then, you know, showed. Yep. And I don't know. So the main event has been one Brett Brett's concussed, by the way, we're still in uh, late December. You Salisbury, hit- Maryland. This, this night turned out in a couple of different ways. A lot came out of this thunder taping a lot. So you hit Benoit with a guitar to cause the DQ finish. Cause of course, uh, Goldberg lays you out and then chases Brett and Brett would write this in his book. The next day in Maryland for thunder, I told Russo that I was badly hurt from Goldberg's kick. And I thought I might have a concussion. He still wanted me to work a match with Benoit, but Jeff Jarrett coming out to double team him. Goldberg would charge out and spear Jarrett. While I fled the scene with cameras following and Goldberg coming after me in hot pursuit. I'd race to my rented Cadillac, which would be parked on the back ramp with the keys and the ignition. And just as Goldberg reached my car, I'd zoom out of the building. We'd go off the air with a seething Goldberg punching out the windows of a limo and then a sharp steel gimmick with a sharp steel gimmick hidden in his fist. That night I had a good solid match with Benoit who did his best to take it easy. Jarrett came out and then the one man tank Goldberg. When Goldberg speared Jeff, I ran down the aisle, jumped in my car and floored out the back ramp. Just as Goldberg caught up and pounded furiously on my car windows. What nobody noticed was that as I pulled out, my car hit the icy pavement and I skidded out of control, having no time to put on a seatbelt. So there I was with a concussion barreling head on towards a huge TV production truck. I thought of Owen in that instant. What would the world think if I got killed plowing my own car into a TV truck for some stupid stunt? People would say, you'd think Owen's stupid brother would know better than that. Luckily the tires hit a patch of dry pavement and I burned rubber past the truck to safety. Even with my head full of fuzz, I was completely pissed off and came back steaming to blast Russo, but I completely forgot about it. When I saw a worried Goldberg holding his arm in the air with blood pouring everywhere. The gimmick he was using had failed to break the window. So Goldberg decided he'd simply break it himself. And he did, but he sliced a 12 inch gash, the length of his forearm, all the way to the bone. Paramedics tried staunch to to, tried to staunch the flow of blood and raced him to a hospital. I felt terrible for him for the first time. This big brood of a man looked very afraid as he was loaded into the back of an ambulance. This is a crazy scene. And it took a lot of our silliness where we've had fun, sort of tongue in cheek, poking fun at creative. And now we're like, uh, Hey, wait a minute. This is a sobering moment here. Is it not? There's a couple in this episode. There really is, uh, the the Brett concussion, the Goldberg accident. We're going to talk about a situation with myself coming up. And we're going to talk about a very serious Scott Hall situation in all this craziness, but I was obviously not aware, but there was so much tension in the dressing room. And I'm not going to say that at any moment people could come to blows, but Conrad, we all knew that, like you said, it's the fourth quarter. We're down three scores. 
we're have we're trying to have fun and put on a happy face, and we are from time to time. But Salisbury, Maryland, it's freezing cold. It's the holidays. It's snowing. It's out. You know, it, it, it's all, all that. And if I remember correctly, I think Bill and Scott Hall. I don't want to say had words, but there was some tension going on on how are we going to shoot this and pre-tape and we're doing this in Thunder and Thunder with scrambled eggs. And I'm sure Hall and Nash didn't even want to, and Goldberg and Brett didn't even want to be at a Thunder taping. I mean, it was really, it's a mess. And then this accident happened. And again, I was showering or, or I wasn't dialed in and I forget who told me this. said, no, this is like, Bill got so damn mad. He busted the window out himself. And I'm thinking, what the hell did he do that for? Oh, wait. Oh. And they're like, no, the ambulance. I said for a cut on his arm, you know, you're, you're thinking you're going to go in an ambulance because of a glass cut on your forearm. Oh no, it's to the bone. And it is a massive issue. Nerves, muscle, hand use like, oh boy. It got real there, pal. It's crazy, dude. I mean, real, real. I mean, it was almost a, uh, a life or death situation there. So it felt, I mean, not only for, for Goldberg, but maybe for Brett. And, and now is an important time to mention our sponsor, GoliathLife.com. If you don't have life insurance, buddy, you're not taking care of your family. I'm just being honest with you. You got car insurance and for what to protect you from having to buy a new car. And you got medical insurance for what? To protect you from a big medical bill. Who's protecting your family in case they lose your income. It's not something we want to think about, but as the breadwinners, it is something we need to talk about. I recommend goliathlife.com because they get you seriously 20 quotes in one place. Think about that. Instead of having to call 20 different carriers to get 20 different quotes, you can spend a few minutes at one site right now, goliathlife.com and pick your payment, pick your price, pick your terms. You're in control. You'll get 20 quotes and you make the choice for which one you want. You can start the application online right then. You may not need a medical exam, but if they do require a blood draw or something like that, dude, you can do it at your office or your house. I know because they sent somebody to my house and I did it. This is peace of mind for your family. And it's way more affordable than you think. Again, you pick the price, but if you don't have life insurance, what are you waiting on? Go to goliathlife.com. That's goliathlife.com. So let's talk about Terry Funk here. He's going to come back as a WCW commissioner. Obviously he's wanting to be pitted against the NWO and the rumor in innuendo is it was supposed to be Rick in that spot. Uh, but I love Terry and Terry being on TV is fun, but it does feel a little out of sorts that Terry Funk's going to be the guy feuding with the NWO. What say you? Are you muted? I, 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 uh, I, I, it was a fish out of water. I, I didn't get it from the very beginning and Terry can make anything work, literally anything work with his verbal skills, but flair was the natural guy. We got into it earlier. He was the WCW centerpiece and then W O was the outsiders, uh, in so many different ways and kind of from the beginning. Just, it was, it was, a, it was an uphill climb, uh, again, Terry Funk. I mean, his whole persona throughout his whole career was a rebel. And now he's supposed to be essentially an extension of management. Uh, 
didn't work for me, brother. <laughs> no, you know where I'm going with it. it. It was just difficult, really difficult for Terry as well. Again, your fourth quarter analogy. Okay, Flair's not in. Hey, pal, come in. I don't play quarterback. I don't give a damn. Yeah. Throw the ball. <laughs> Let's just try something. So you work said the next night on Nitro, uh, and a winner must hit a power bomb match. The NWO attacks you, so you lose by DQ. And the main storyline on this show is kidnapping people. It starts with Daphne and ends with Arn Anderson. That's right. We're to kidnapping now. This Nitro also has. Go ahead. What were you saying? And I'm supposed to power bomb Sid. Yep. <laughs> I don't know if you guys can visualize this and, and I don't want to ruin any illusions here, but it turns out Jeff Jarrett is not six foot 10. <laughs> so just the physics of that would be challenging. It would look like swoggle trying to power bomb me. It's just I probably not going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to see Swaggle this weekend, acwwisconsin.com. Eric and I are doing a live show in Oshkosh, uh, 83 weeks will be happening this Friday night. And then the next day he's got a, uh, a whole convention and wrestling show. It's acwwisconsin.com, acwwisconsin.com. Come see us in Oshkosh. Love it. Uh, that nitro also has a Scott Steiner episode where he's back with the NWO in a tag team title tournament. They go to the finals where they lose to David Flair and Crowbar. And I bring that up because the observer has this to say. Vince Russo called a meeting of everyone to try and air out any problems on January 3rd and tell people if they had a problem doing anything asked of them to come to them about it. And this is stemming from Hart's reaction after being asked to run Sid's car over with the monster truck. The meeting seemed to go along fine for a while. Although when Russo told the group, he was giving the tag titles to David flair and crowbar because they'd been working so hard and he wanted to reward good work. It didn't go over with anyone because of the feeling that having them as champs destroys whatever belts, whatever value the belts have. At one point in the meeting, Nash started complaining about the food and the fact that they have to be at the building at 1 PM and can't tan and be in the gym. And the catering is so bad. He yelled at David Crockett, who was in charge of that. And it wound up with Gary Juster arguing with Nash. It was brought up about bringing weights to the building. So the guys could work out, but Saturn complained. They can't get any kind of workout when they need to, because it isn't well-equipped enough because so many wrestlers have injuries to body parts. There are many movements. The guys can't do so well-equipped gyms have machines that are easier on the joints so they can at least get some work out of that body part. If they ha- that they couldn't do with just free weights alone, for whatever reason, the meeting started falling apart at that point, And Juster talked to both wrestlers individually about it. Later, they went to Russo and complained. They shouldn't have been yelled at for the suggestion because it was supposed to be an open forum and Russo pretty well agreed. You were in this, it- you were in this meeting, right? I don't know if it's sleep, sleep deprivation right now, but we talk, we started the, a creative meeting. Russo wanted to air open differences and we got into catering weights, free weights, machine weights. I, I mean, well, <laughs> here, here's why Kevin Nash cares about quality of life. We know Kevin, Kevin <laughs> Nash has, has a certain quality of life right now. He lives on the freaking beach yep. and, and has been set for life for 20 years. So Kevin Nash gets to do what Kevin Nash wants to do on Kevin Nash's schedule. If he wants to stay up till five in the morning and sleep till two in the afternoon, who's going to tell him he can't. (laughs) And so now 
when he's like, I can't tan, I can't work out. You need me here at one and there's nothing to do and there's no food. And it's David Crockett's fault. I'm sure Gary Juster thought, well, that's not fair. And this company's losing money hand over fist and you're complaining about catering. Da, 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 da. So then Nash rightly goes and says, Vince, I thought this was an open forum and we're supposed to be giving feedback. And that's correct. But still, I'm sure you're thinking at the time, as you're looking around and seeing all this happening, thinking, you know, losing to China wasn't that bad. <laughs> I wonder if I could get that old gig back. Oh, I'd probably cussing Jr. out even worse. Damn it, Jim. If you want to cut my money, <laughs> David Flair's a tag champ. They got shit catering. I can't even tan. <laughs> no. You, okay. Back to the point though. We're all earlier in the episode. Russo wouldn't talk to only ex WWE guys. Now he's and talking now, to everybody. Yeah. Well, he's made crowbar and David flair tag champs. I mean, that really is Vince, uh, in, in so many ways he did give opportunities. Oh. You've often talked about how Scott was one of your, uh, two best friends. Um, I guess it makes sense to put big Papa pump, uh, back in the NWO here at thunder. This is where things start to get a little goofy. The story is you've been holding Arn Anderson hostage for 72 hours and you're going to negotiate with Terry Funk for his release. Kidnap kidnapping is legal now in wrestling. Y'all well in the state of Maryland, this leads to you wrestling Norman smiley in a bunkhouse match. Of course, which you win, but Ric Flair now comes out with crowbar and holds you hostage with the wiggle. That leads to Kevin Nash and Terry Funk. It sold out in a hardcore match and a hardcore match between Funk and Brett later that night. And then there's a hostage exchange. So they free Jeff Jarrett and your group frees Arn Anderson Hart and Funk go to a no contest because what does it matter? <laughs> What's the mood backstage? I, I, that's why I touched on it earlier. It was, look, we're all professionals. Uh, you watch the NBA playoffs and you see some guys lose in game seven, but you post game interview, they're ready to go hit the golf course. Uh, cause it, it is what it is. Um, it, it was difficult. It, everybody knew that it was a mess, but we also knew that we had this, uh, we all we did have one thing in common. We had this unique habit of eating and paying our bills. So we like that Turner check coming in, uh, every two weeks. And so, you know, for the, for the most part, most guys tried to do what they could do, but I go back to culture, whether it's corporate, whether it's a team, whether it's a classroom, whether it's a family communication and culture are, are the pillars to success. And the culture of WCW was not just broken. It was non-existent or a bad culture. Bret Hart wrote about it in the Calgary sun. I've been doing everything I can to help WCW compete in the ratings war with the WWF. And lately, sometimes I find myself going against my own personal beliefs in order to be a team player. I ask myself, how far do I compromise in order to help WCW beat Vince McMahon? Or do I find a personal victory and not bending at all? I'm having a harder time than people think finding that answer. What I do know is that in effect to come up with their own version of the WWF's winning formula, WCW hired WWF scriptwriters right out from under them. The phrase scriptwriter has no meaning in wrestling until very recently. 
People have always asked if wrestling is scripted. And the honest answer to that was no, I never saw, or even heard of a script for a wrestling match. But now the first thing they do when you arrive at the arena is put a script in your hand. It's not a script that tells you how to wrestle. Although I fear that's not far off. It's a script for all the soap opera stuff, which has taken precedence over the wrestling matches. I find myself memorizing lines and rehearsing scenes. I want to make it very clear to anyone who might still be wondering. And I know there are a few of you that I never really tried to kill Sid vicious by running him over it with a monster truck. That's fake. I could have killed myself screeching out of an arena in a speeding car in another scripted scene. That's real. I'm flooring it, tearing out of the backstage with no time in the scene to even put on a seatbelt. And it turns out an icy rain had coated the ramp. There I am careening out of control towards a huge trailer filled with television equipment. And in the last moment, I was somehow able to swerve to safety. About a week later, I was awakened in the middle of the night by dawning realization that I had a concussion from when Goldberg kicked me in the head for real. And I've been walking around in a haze ever since. Otherwise, there's no way I would have agreed to race a car up a narrow ramp flanked by not only expensive equipment, but by the way, what about whatever people happen to be around? Then look at Goldberg, who was scripted to punch through a glass car window, ending up nearly cutting his forearm off. And now he'll be out of action for quite a while. It's actually sickening to me because in wrestling's proper context, it would have never happened. I'm a wrestler, not a stunt man. And even a stunt man has time to strap himself in. I'm a professional wrestler and I get paid to wrestle in a ring. What am I doing fighting in the back, taking falls on concrete and doing stunts and speeding cars. And the really scary part was when I realized that I'd done exactly what Owen had done. I'd made a mistake and knew before it had done something really stupid. And what for I was hurt weary. And all I wanted to do was go home for the holidays. So I didn't even see it coming. I made it clear to WCW. I'll never make that mistake again. Since pro wrestling has turned into soap opera, there are very few skilled wrestlers anymore. Like Chris Benoit, he showed up barely time to make, make it as part of a lost era, like the ghost of what wrestling used to be and was meant to be. Benoit made an indelible statement with me in Kansas city. One of the best defined, not with words, but by watching. It is asking an awful lot of Chris Benoit to carry that legacy into the future. When wrestling shows today, don't pay homage to the past. I tried to do what I could to clean up wrestling and bring it back to what it's supposed to be, but things are too far gone now. And maybe so much that Chris shouldn't even try to be the morality police of wrestling any more than I could. Since wrestling is scripted now, and I don't take it as seriously as I used to, I take my matches seriously and I take the wrestling seriously. But all this soap opera stuff is just a job. I hope no one actually believes for one second that I'd really beat up Arn Anderson with a baseball bat or some poor EMT for that matter. I finished Mick Foley's book. I was looking forward to reading about the good old days. And as much as I love the book and Mick is a great guy and he's a great storyteller. Some of the stories in his book are absolutely hilarious, but in my opinion, even Mick missed the point. Great wrestling is not about how many bones you break how many teeth you lose or being set on fire or walking back to the dressing room with tacks in your back. That's what he did. And he's proud of it and he's happy with it. And I'm happy for him, but that's not what most wrestlers do. That's not what I do. Mick Foley knows all too well as I do. The artistry of wrestling is supposed to be the scripted realism, but in his book, 
that point was lost. So this is an article that's not just written privately. It's not something he wrote in his book later. It's published in the Calgary sun and fans from all over the world can read it online. And he's pretty critical, not just of WCW, but wrestling as a whole. And you're old school. You grew up multi-generation, just like Brett. How far off was Brett? Or do you agree? I mean, when I, when you hear that back and we've gotten into our TNA episodes and, and I like to, and we, we both do say, Hey, this is prior to Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and the age of instantaneous exchange of, uh, of, of communication, but Brett doing that editorial in a weekly column, this wasn't a one-off he wrote every week in his column and he would hit on all kinds of things. But what he said was a real, um, real time articulation of the attitude era and Russo and Ferrar and, and the WWE, um, script changing script formatting and taking it to WCW and word by word. And Brett was vehemently opposed to it. I'm not opposed to it because I know it's a TV product, but Brett going out front and saying all that, I thought to myself, damn, he's got an ironclad contract. He don't give a damn. I didn't. Again, I did not really understand how hurt he was. Yeah. I, I didn't know the injury had, um, not just rattled his, his brain, but, but he, he, he was in a bad place mentally. I think these are the early stages cause he's angry. Cause he said, I'm getting hurt for what? And he had lost Owen. So I totally got it. I was surprised at how vocal he was in that platform again. This is the era before social media. This is a newspaper that was the number one uh, way of, you know, news traveled back those days. I mean, it was reported everywhere. So, um, yeah, like you you hit it. This wasn't a newsletter. This wasn't Meltzer or Keller. This was the Calgary Sun at that time that got picked up in the early days of the internet. And uh, you know, I read it every week. It's um, man, yeah. It's heavy yeah. when you really hear him say that. By the okay. way, he's not just a top guy there. He's the world promote. He's the world champion. And, and the, the guy who jumped the most recent, really, yes. really, I mean, but he said, Hey, basically that stuff, uh, of me, uh, you know, running over Sid in a monster truck or the cap, you know, the, the kidnapping, not that it hadn't been done before or any of that, but I mean, he came out strong that, Hey, this script writing stuff is BS. It's strong, strong statement. It's also reported in the observer at the time that Hall and Nash were attempting to get out of their deals. Uh, you're a fake member of the clique. Do you remember them being unhappy and trying to get out? Nobody was happy in the, 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 uh, I can't say that it's the, the sink was uh, the, the ship was sinking was the mentality, but I don't specifically them saying I want out of this fat contract. No, I don't remember that. That's the question. Not saying that it didn't happen. They were making a lot of money and, um, Scott was in a bad way, uh, multiple times during this era, but I don't remember them wanting to get out of their deal. There's negotiations for uh, your next nitro appearance where legends are going to be appearing to take you on from the observer quote, several former WWF wrestlers were approached about being brought in for the angle with Jarrett. 
Snuka and Steele reportedly agreed for 2000 to 3000 while Tito Santana, King Kong Bundy, honky tonk man, and Bob Backlund turned it down. Nick Bockwinkle was all also approached at this point. Nobody from the company has talked to Bruno San Martino, but there are still intermediaries talking with him about including him in this angle to put Jarrett over San Martino, but also because he wants to hear from Russo personally. Talk to me about this. When do you remember hearing this idea that, Hey, we're going to bring in some old timers for you. I, I didn't, I wasn't privy until I read the research that the Bruno, Bruno name. And even there was a couple of other names you mentioned. I don't remember. I wasn't looped into that. Russo didn't share that, that they were trying multiple, you know, I knew George, you know, and the, the ones that ended up showing up, I knew those guys, but I didn't know the others had been contacted. Um, it's also reported in the observer, the conversations with Bruno got so far that the New York state, New York state athletic commission was contacted in hindsight. How big of a thrill would that have been to something with Bruno, man? Oh, I mean, he's the original centerpiece of a promotion in so many ways. I mean, his records on the garden sellouts on the amount of days he was a champion, just the legendary, the biggest territory out of the 22 by far. And he was the guy is kind of unbelievable. That'd been cool. It's also reported in the observer. Um, well, you know, before I get to that, I want to mention this January 10th, Buffalo, New York, you've got three matches against three legends. They wind up being George, the animal steel, Tito Santana and Jimmy Snuka. And this is a big deal for a lot of reasons. This is the nitro. That's the go home show for sold out. You come out in a Tennessee Titans Jersey, uh, because this shows in Buffalo and it's just two days after the music city miracle where mm. if you're an NFL fan, you know, that's just instant heat and you take on George Steele first in a bunkhouse match. Crispin was the referee for all three of these matches, by the way, Steele is 63 years old. He eats the turnbuckle and then Arn Anderson hits a spine buster on you and puts steel on top for the win in just under two minutes. Conrad, before we get into that, you know, tighten up, but I'll say this, the timing of that, I was on the road. I got my, uh, Jill shipped me, got my wife, Jill to ship me a Y check Jersey. And it was Titans against Tennessee Titans versus Buffalo bills. And it's a big play not to get everybody knows that story, but that's, this is one of the nitros that there's photos from it to this day at autograph signings. It it's definitely one of those nitros out of all the ones I've done. It's right up there. Top three that get mentioned because of the timing that it was a, if you're a Buffalo bills fan, I, I was, a, the Titans are the biggest heels in the history uh, of the robberies. And I walk out with the Titans Jersey the day after two days after it happened, because it happened on a Saturday, um, it was just, it, it added to everything in, in so many ways, but, uh, man, we're going to get into these legend things and God, my brain hurts even before the snooker situation went down. Here we go. But, we're talking about brain hurt. We're going to get there. Uh, Terry Funk schedules, Bret Hart and Kevin Nash to take on each other in the main event. And you're showing playing, playing both sides of the fence for their match. And next up is Tito Santana. It's a regular wrestling match. Um, now, okay. You talk about wrestling a couple of nights, George, the animal steel has already beat me one, two, three on this yes, night. Yes. I know Arn did the spine buster, 
but still. So, so the people got to see Jeff Jarrett get his ass kicked in his Titans glory early in the nitro. So go ahead. Now, the second time you see him. Tito Santana in a regular match, Paul Orndorff is going to come out and give you a pile driver. So you lose in two minutes and 25 seconds. So you've lost now two matches, but finally you're going to be taking on the 56 year old Jimmy Snuka in a cage match. And Snuka winds up doing his splash off the top of the cage onto you. And when it happens, I don't think anybody would have imagined that this was even possible but things were really bad for you. Take us through what you remember. If anything, bro, do you think there's any way savage, uh, savage that, uh, that snooker can do his leap that we made so famous out of the garden? I'm like, well, have you asked him? Yeah, he can say he can do it. I'm like, well, if he said he can do it, just have him hit me low, which would be across my midsection, not really in my chest, but, but. You're diving off the top and Benoit was going to follow it up. And it's kind of a one, two. So Snuka, and then it'd been good for Chris. Cause he did that flying headbutt. Conrad, when his 250, 60, 70 pound body, whatever it was, hit me, you can go back and watch it. It happened so fast. It's like trying to catch a huge sack of potatoes that weigh 200 plus pounds on your chest and not have whiplash. My head went back on the mat so damn quick. I knew my bell was wrong at this point. If we're going to walk through it step by step, I knew my bell was wrong, but we had to do the finish. So for the third time, the chosen one goes down to a legend. Uh, and Benoit, you know, added insult to injury with the headbutt. But Conrad, little did I know what was coming for up for me for the next. A while. I'll say that. We'll, we'll talk about that, but first I want to play this clip. This is uh snooker in jail. So a nice little ovation for snooker when he comes out and, and sure enough, as we said, this is in a cage match and Chris Benoit is here as the special guest referee. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's pretty crazy when you think about uh, how all of this is going down and that you're having Superfly climb the cage, but let's take a listen here. your head, but I'll tell you watching TV, Jeff, you can't tell how bad this is. I don't mean to make this comparison, but I remember feeling that way. When I saw Dale Earnhardt crash and hit the wall, we've seen all these spectacular crashes in NASCAR before. And we think, oh, he'll be all right. It was that one that cost him his life. And now this, I mean, you're just laying there and he jumps off the top rope in theory. How do you get a concussion on that deal? But you do, because you're talking about, as you said, 
250 plus pounds coming down off the top of the cage. And guys, if you've never been in a wrestling ring, it, it, it ain't a mattress. It, it ain't a trampoline and you're in a bad way, but it's not over. Now here comes another guy. He doesn't know you're hurting. It's not like you can communicate it. Whew. This is a tough day at the office here. Is it not? It was mm, as far as physical and I've had the back injury. It was, it turns out to be definitely the worst day at the office. It was cause my, my head just smacked back and Benoit came off. I don't remember any of that, but I just remember getting to the back and came in the dressing room. Mark Johnson came in, uh, and I was unlacing my boots kind of like the standard, if you will, that, okay, going through the motions, I'm going to know that. And he said, man, you all right. And I said, man, I don't think I am turn those lights off. And he just thought that was odd because we were in a little bitty kind of dressing room. Um, it's like the officials room or whatever it may be. He's like, really? And I said, yeah, just turn the lights off for a second. Cause my eyes were skint and then my head just started ringing and started ringing. And I'm like, all right, I got to get in the shower, but just gradually, gradually, gradually. I saw the, this is where, man, thank God times have changed. Seeing the trainer on the way out. You all right. Said, yeah, I'll be all right. I, I'll be all right. Well, you all right. And they told slick, make sure he's all right. I'm like, should I go to sleep or he, he, should he go to sleep? Well, keep checking on him. But it wasn't really for about 24 to 40 hours, 48 hours that I realize the real severity of it because they grade concussions. You're basically your skull. You've got about 10% that your, your brain is one size and all that, but your skull has about, they call it uh, on a scale of one to 10, you've got about whatever measurement it may be room for swelling. And, you know, you can cut it down to, you know, you, you start with 100%, and then you 90%, 80%, 70%, 60%, but your brain continues to swell. And that's what causes the headaches and the pains and the stiffness and the whiplash and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Erie was the next night. This was Buffalo. And by the time I got to Erie the next afternoon, I kind of knew that, okay, this is brutal. And I think I, we'll get into the, the, the Thunder episode. I, me reading this, I'm like, wow, that was insane. But... Yep. This Look, put me, uh, it just, I, I don't want to get too far ahead, but I guess it was about a three to five day span where I stayed in a dark room. Hmm. Uh, it was brutal. If you've ever been concussed, people know what I'm talking about, but just the lightest bit of light or sound or you're nauseous. You don't want to eat. You feel like throwing up, but there's nothing on your stomach is brutal. Conrad. It was absolutely brutal. And we're not done with the concussion talk later that night, Kevin Nash and Bret Hart face off. It's going to be Bret's last ever match for WCW. They go over 10 minutes and it turns into a schmoz and believe it or not, that's it for Bret as a wrestler. He just cannot continue due to his concussion. And that's really scary. When you think, wait a minute, I got the same thing. And that's the story of, uh, the NWO 2000. We'll call this part one. We're going to shut it down for now because I want to come revisit this and talk about trying to come back from this concussion and trying to make sense of the NWO 2000 and, 
trying to make chicken salad, pardon the pun, but this is a real trying situation where now it's no longer just, oh man, isn't this creative silly? No, we're really fucking hurt now for real. Um, and I know it's easy for a lot of people who are on the outside to say, oh, well, that stuff's this or that. You can't put into words how scary this must have been because this is very much the era of, Hey, if you don't work, you don't get paid. And I know we got guaranteed contracts and what have you, but there's more to life than just the income. But as the primary wage earner, you got to at least be thinking about it. And now you had this momentum, but what now? And I can't imagine what that's like. I want to talk more about that on part two. I hope you guys are digging what we're doing. Uh, we're going to continue this story and we got a lot more really fun stuff planned coming your way. Uh, we ran down some of the teases last week, but I want to do it again. We're going to hit sacrifice. 09. we're going to hit King of the mountain and how we debuted that concept. Uh, we're going to do a whole show on AJ styles and one on Monty Brown. And we hit a couple of slam anniversaries. Going to talk about the Steiner brothers. And before you know it, man, the end of July will be here. Jeff Jarrett's going to be at Starcast. He's got a big stage show planned and he'll be there for meet and greets and a whole host of other stuff. But before we get there, man, folks, you got to check us out on adfreeshows.com. And of course this coming Monday, we're going to be going live on YouTube and everywhere else talking to our friends about our brand new action figure set. I can't believe this is real. The my world action figures stay tuned to our social media. We'll have all the links you need. This is going to be a fun few weeks here, man, but it's pretty sobering to talk about the realities of, of injuries and wrestling like this. Is it not? Conrad, I'm, I'm fired up. I don't know when you're going to drop part two of this when we get going, because I had my second kid on the way following up out of this, the radical situation, Russo loses power. He's three months into the job, four months into the job. He loses power. There is so much that kind of comes out of this, but in one back to back to back, Brett, who would have thought that was really the end of his in-ring career? Right. And the situation with me that it started out all fun and games. Hey, let's nuke a dive off. I'm looking forward to part two, Conrad. This is a a, a really, uh, I don't know, a lot of fun to go down this road. But, man, all fun and games till somebody's eye gets put out. But uh, speaking of put, you know, Conrad, got a Skybound panel that's coming up this week, Russell Quest. There is so much going on, pal. I'm not going to try to shoehorn it in on here. Enjoy this episode. I really did. I enjoyed it too. Uh, I'm also excited to talk about our boy. Uh, we're talking about legacy supplements. And if you have been a listener of our show for a long time, you know how much Jeff and I really, uh, know, like, and respect Mr. Nick Aldis. Well, he's created something that our listeners have really gravitated to. We've heard a ton of great feedback about this. I'm talking about using test X nine. It's the all natural testosterone booster that helps you get more drive, more strength, more energy. And well, it helps your little general stand at full attention. Well, legacy has leveled up again, and now they're offering a combination of products that are specifically designed to help men who feel like they've lost their edge, get their edge back. It's called the, it's, it's even called the get your edge back stack. Maybe you've been feeling more aches and pains than you used to. Maybe you like motivation or drive. Maybe your mind isn't as sharp as it once was. It's time to get your edge back. This stack features pro collagen plus to increase strength and reinvigorate joints test X nine to naturally boost your testosterone and total mind to improve your brain function and memory. Try the get your edge back stack for 30 days 
and we're confident you'll feel like a new man, especially if you're over 30. So go to the new and improved legacy That's L E G A C Y S U P P S.com store. And as always use our promo code here, my world for 10% off your entire order. And while you're there, check out their best sellers like the amazing sleep recovery aid, which is recovery PM and their all new women's line. Her legacy brought to you by the nine time women's world champion, Mickey James. That's legacy sups, L E G A C Y S U P P S.com. And the promo code is my world, but no promo code needed for adfreeshows.com. Get all these shows early and ad free over there. And we'll see you guys back here next week. Talking all things NWO 2000 and so much more. It's my world with double J Jeff Jarrett. Peace. My friend, John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together. It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.